Hi and welcome to Shaky's Sports Journeys. Uh, we're getting very, very close to the upcoming T20 World Cup um, where we have quite a lot of associates involved. So I thought to myself, I need to find somebody who's, a, who's an expert on this, far more than myself. Um, and who better than uh, the gentleman on screen here? Uh, this gentleman is very, very much involved with uh, the USA Cricket um, as well as uh, being involved with the ESPN, Crick Info, etc. So, very, very experienced chap. I say hello to Peter De La Pena. How are you, sir? Shaking, I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me on. Love that accent. You know, I never associate the cricketing world with an American accent, so it's very refreshing to hear that. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> I could say the same exact thing about you. It reminds me of when I was in Spain recently for the uh, women's T20 qualifier, and the French players were saying, oh, an American who knows about cricket? How did you get into cricket? And I said to them, I could ask you the same exact question. <laughs> so true. It's so true when you think about the French, when you think about Germany and all these, you know, there's so many countries playing cricket now, Italy, etc. but you would never associate them Football, yes, but cricket, no. Um, but just quickly, I mean, cricket is growing at a, a, a fast rate in America. You'd like to think and you would hope that future future tournaments, they, they can get involved. Is, is there a possibility of that? Depends on if they can get their act together on the field in the same way that they've done off the field in recent times administratively. If you think back, it's only four years ago that USA Cricket or at the time the USA Cricket Association was suspended and expelled. They were suspended in 2015, expelled by the ICC in 2017. And at that point in time, the state of cricket in the USA was up in the air in limbo. And they've been readmitted under a new administration, USA Cricket. And that happened in early 2019. And then four months later, they got ODI status in Namibia. And they've been trying to go in the right direction on the fields, uh, having been readmitted from all the administrative turmoil that happened over the course of the 2000s and 2010s under the USA Cricket Association. But on field, the results have been very Jekyll and Hyde. It's, it's something, a term I use quite often in a lot of my writing to describe a lot of USA's results because, yes, they got ODI status, in April of 2019, and they're in the top 20 of the rankings in one-day cricket. But just a few months after that, they go to Bermuda in the regional T20 World Cup qualifier, which was the lead-in pathway for the T20 World Cup coming up. And they were a heavy favorite. They'd never lost or they had never failed to advance from regional qualifying out of the Americas in the entire decade previously. And... They come out having just had a secured ODI status, having just put all their players on central contracts, and they flopped spectacularly in oh, yeah. Bermuda, and they couldn't make it out of regional qualifying. They, they lost twice to both Canada and Bermuda in the double round-robin regional qualifying. They had never lost to Bermuda in the regional qualifying ever before. Uh, as far as I can remember, which, which the T20 qualifier out of the Americas started in 2010. USA had won it in 2010, when it, the first year in Bermuda. And they had always finished in the top two after that 
whether it was in Canada or, or Bermuda had hosted since then uh, or, or hosted in the USA. And so to then lose, not just lose, but lose in the manner that they did in Bermuda with all their players being paid full-time contracts compared to Bermuda, who were basically all part-time players in Canada who, who had suffered the disastrous result in April alongside the USA, where it, USA had security ODI status, but Canada failed to get ODI status. They finished in the bottom two out of the six teams at World Cricket League Division Two in Namibia. So all those things were pointing to USA not just dominating, but but crushing their opponents, and they flop. So you, n- you never know what you're going to get out of USA. And despite the immense talent and despite more money flowing in, which a lot of people are seeing now with minor league cricket and major league cricket, the T20 franchise competition, you look at the names that are playing, you look at the people who are coming up, and on paper you'd say USA should be going up, 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 and away in, in terms of the rankings, but that's not a guarantee. And that's that's the glory of associate cricket. A team like Bermuda can come up through qualifying knock off USA and a team like a Papua New Guinea or Namibia can come up through qualifying and make it to the world cup for the first time, the T20 world cup for the first time. And a team like Oman who was way down in the rankings as recently as six, seven years ago can rise up and arguably be one of the favorites to advance out of the group. And that's just one of the reasons why I love covering associate cricket. Brilliant to hear a little bit more in depth analysis of uh, the USA cricket market. I've been hearing a lot about it, but it does sound like consistency is something that they're going to need to work on if they're going to push to get into a future tournament that's that's just uh, just around the corner, starting in a in a few days' time. Let's take a look. Um, I'll be I'll be juggling um, the the laptop and the screen here, so please excuse me looking away. Um, let's look at Sunday, for instance. The tournament will kick off with a couple of fixtures. Um, one that I'm very interested in. Obviously, I know a lot about Scottish cricket, um, and they've got a massive fixture to kickstart their tournament against Bangladesh. How do you see their chances? Very good. I think one of the bright things about the Scotland team is their depth, especially on the batting side. I think on the bowling side, they've got very, very good bowlers. I don't think they have necessarily match-winning bowlers. One of the things that has always been missing from the Scottish side has been a match-winning leg spinner, for example. And so the emergence very, very recently of Chris Graves being picked in the squad as a leg spinner when really they haven't had a leg spinner like Afghanistan has been able to rely on with Rashid Khan or even Oman with Kawar Ali and some of the other teams in the competition that Leg spinning, uh, leg spinners are just so incredibly impactful in T20 cricket in particular. Scotland has always, on the bowling side, taken a little bit more of a conservative route with meeting paces and finger spinners. So the fact that they've gone with Chris Graves, I think, is a bold selection move, and the early signs are promising with him. But their strength is the batting, and they have match winners on the batting side that they don't necessarily have on the bowling side. And that's what has enabled them to move up the rankings and really be competitive. They just, just missed out on securing the the top spot in the ODI uh, world cricket league championship that went to the Netherlands, but Scotland was very, very close to that. And you could argue that 
there's really not much difference in, in terms of the, the depth and batting that Netherlands has compared to Scotland. And you look at the order, there's so much fanfare and so much uh, notoriety given to Cal McLeod, especially for what he did to England in that famous ODI victory, uh, scoring the 140 against England at, at the Grange a couple of years ago. And Kyle Kutzer being the ICC Associate Player of the Decade. But who has been the hottest player recently? Richie Barrington. Richie. Smashing he, he's been incredible. And he's been a stalwart over the years. And he scored, for people who don't remember, he scored, I believe it was Scotland's first T20 international century against Bangladesh. Correct, correct. Way back when. So, arguably, you could say Scotland has, at this point in time, perhaps better depth than Bangladesh does. Bangladesh is so heavily relying on on their kind of big names, like Shakib, like Tim McBall, like Mushfiqur Rahim. But Scotland can can match them toe-to-toe uh, to toe in, in the batting stakes, if, if not be even more explosive. And Scotland has the advantage of being much more familiar with the conditions in Oman. So Scotland, you know, George Muncie, didn't even say him, George Muncie, who's one of my favorite players at associate level with, with his array of unorthodox strokes and how he smashes the reverse sweep and he can send it all the way for six. I was there a couple of years ago in Oman when he just absolutely slaughtered uh, some of the teams out there, including Oman with that reverse sweep, whether it was in T20 matches or 50 or matches, they had a, a series with Ireland and the Netherlands and Oman out there. And this would be, I think Scotland's third or fourth visit to Oman so they're very, very familiar with the conditions there. They're very, very familiar with the oval that they're going to play on. And this is Bangladesh's first tour there. So you can't over overstate the impact that Scotland has, just the familiarity with the, the pitches, the conditions, and whereas Bangladesh is going there a little bit raw. Uh, and being the first match, it's the perfect opportunity for Scotland to bring an upset. No, I I, uh, I echo what you're saying. I really think it's a great opportunity um, to to come hard at Bangladesh in this uh, this opening game. You talked about the firepower with the bat; it's unbelievable. I mean, I've not seen a player like George Munsey play for Scotland in the past. He really does bring that, you know, X factor. Now, to do to 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 do the reverse sweep from ball one sometimes is just freakish. I mean, I. I would maybe play that after 60 or 70 balls. And even then I would be thinking twice about it. This guy just comes out and does it from early doors. And it's 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 really impressive to watch. And you mentioned Richie, Callum, Kyle, so much experience in that batting lineup. And I think there's an opportunity for a couple more guys to come through and put their put their hand up as well. So we 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 are looking confident going into that fixture. Scotland's got a great chance, as you say. Um, and hopefully come Sunday evening, we'll be celebrating a a Scotland win and a, a first associate win against a test-playing nation in the World Cup. The other fixtures are really interesting opening fixture. Um, Oman against Papua New Guinea. Two sides that uh, have blossomed very recently. You mentioned Oman, that you know they've kind of just flowed, come from nowhere. Papua New Guinea have been doing pretty well for a while now. How do you see that fixture going? Two contrasting styles and two contrasting forms in terms of recent times. If you think back to 2019, heading into the T20 World Cup qualifier, Papua New Guinea looked horrendous. I saw them in Scotland. They were in Aberdeen, in the Tri-Series in Aberdeen. Right. Saw them there. 
and they got smashed basically all four games by Oman and Scotland. And then a few weeks later, they come to Florida. They come to Fort Lauderdale. And they played USA tight in the opener. They lost by five runs. And still, over the next couple games, the disparity in the margin of defeat started to go in the wrong direction. And they lost four games in total to USA and Namibia. And as the series went on, it it just got worse for for Papua New Guinea. And then they go a month later from from September 2019 into the UAE, and they look like world beaters. They couldn't be stopped. It was incredible to watch them. And they just march all the way through the group draw. They secure the automatic berth for the group winner to clinch a spot in the T20 World Cup. And then they go to the final. They lose to the final and the Netherlands in the rematch after having beaten Netherlands in the opening round. And everybody who was there in terms of the media contingent was stunned because if you looked at the draw beforehand, everybody assumed, well, Papua New Guinea is just going to get stomped. You know, they're, they're, they've been cannon fodder for everybody entering the event. And then it was it was like a, a switch had been flipped. All of a sudden, they were a different team when they got to Dubai. And from talking to the coaches and the players there, they just simply said, we're a lot more confident playing T20 cricket than we are in 50-over cricket. We can be a lot more freer with our shot selection. We don't have to focus so much on preserving our wicket and try and wait until the last 15, 20 overs to launch. We can launch from ball one. And they did that. And... Recently, they've done the same exact thing. They've lost 10 straight matches in September and early October, heading into the first match of the World Cup. Then you'd say, oh, geez, Papua New Guinea, they're going to get smashed. They're going to, you know, they're going into Oman. Oman is the, the host team in the group. You've got Scotland, who's so deep. You've got Bangladesh as a, a full member test playing nation. Oh, Papua New Guinea is going to get smashed. You can't say that, though, because they did it. Two it's years ago, the qualifier caused the caused the upsets before. They, yeah, they well, but they they turned around the form. You know, they they turned around the form in the qualifier itself, and then they turned around. You know, there's every opportunity and possibility for them to turn it around in the opening match against Oman. You know, again, they were they everybody heard about Jasper on Malhotra from the U.S. making the world record 173 not out with the six sixes world record at number five in ODIs for a number five batter in ODIs and then hitting six sixes in the 50th or I think the footnote in the story, it came against Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea got smashed in that game and and Papua New Guinea in that game. I think the more alarming thing than somebody hitting six sixes in Nova during the course of that knock, Jaskron Malhotra was dropped four times and Papua New Guinea is a team that prides themselves especially on their fielding, and they have a reputation as arguably the best fielding side, not just in the associate world, but the best fielding side in world cricket, period. And so the, the fact that they dropped so many chances in what was essentially their first match in close to uh, two years was very alarming. Um, but if they can clean up those fielding issues, I think it'll give them more confidence in general to take with their bowling, which – Similar to Scotland, they don't have any world beaters. I wouldn't say they have any genuine match winners on the bowling side. But if they can contain Oman and they can contain Scotland and contain Bangladesh, 
they've got a lot more firepower packed into their batting. And they beat Scotland. Uh, I can't remember if they beat Scotland in the call. I think actually Scotland was one of the few losses they had. I think they lost at, at, by four runs in group play in um, the qualifier itself. But they ran it, you know, they, they, they were competitive in every game, even the one or two matches they lost uh, to qualifier. And so, you know, they've got Asad Bala, the captain, who has been a staple at the top of the order through the years. He's been by far the most consistent run scorer, but in and out of form, like Siaka, uh, CJ Amini, and then um, Norman Vanua, who was outstanding at the death, whether batting or bowling. I mean, Papua New Guinea's got some excellent players. On the other side, you look at Oman, and if you think back to four or five years ago when they went to the T20 World Cup in, in India, and they beat – first off, qualifying for them was was a shock. They weren't expected to qualify coming out of Ireland. There's the qualifier in Ireland and Scotland in 2015. They make it out of the qualifier in dramatic circumstances. They beat Namibia to secure a spot – in the playoff match. And then they go to India and what do they do? Opening day, they beat Ireland, uh, which was incredibly stunning. But five years later, that would not shock anybody. That was shocking. That was, that was earth shattering in, in the scheme of associate cricket and Oman cricket. Five years later, they're coming into this thing as a much, much stronger team, much deeper team, not as heavily reliant on one or two players like they were five years ago. They've got, uh, much, much heavier hitting batting lineup. And on the bowling side, they've got some devastating match winners as well. Bilal Khan, left arm swing bowler, bowls 135, 140 kilometers per hour. He's, in my opinion, the best pace bowler in the associate world. He's kind of hidden away in Oman a little bit, but I think if he was maybe somewhere else with a bit more spotlight on him, he would be getting T20 contracts, franchise contracts, because his Yorkers are incredible and he swings the ball sharply uh, and he's, he's consistent. He's not just somebody who shows up once every five or six matches. He, he wins matches consistently from on. And then on the batting side, you've got Akibilias who, who arguably was the associate player of the year from 2019 to 2020, the two months before the pandemic. Uh, famously in the, in the tri-series between USA, Nepal, and Oman. I think he scored two centuries and had 11 or 12 wickets. He, he was in incredible form just before the pandemic. Uh, he's He just recently scored a half century against Sri Lanka. So not not only has he proven he can do it against the associate sides, he, he can do it against the big boys too. Uh, scoring a very brisk half century against Sri Lanka in one of the matches leading into the World Cup. He's got the captain, Zeeshan Maksud, who hits the ball a long way and also bowls left arm spin as the captain. Uh, Nassim Kushi, who going all the way down to seven, eight, nine, he can hit massive, massive sixes. So they're a much, much stronger team than they were five years ago. And I think, I think they'll make it out of the group. I, a, because they got home conditions and B, I think they just think they're such a much, much, much stronger team than they were. They're at the top. I know it's a different format, but they're at the top of the, um, World Cup League Two points table and ODIs. They've got a very, very big lead early on in that competition ahead of Scotland and USA. Um, and so everything is pointing to Oman coming out of the group. It's just a matter of who's going to join them. I think it's going to be the Scotland or, or Bangladesh. I think just 
recent form. Papua New Guinea looks like it'll be a bit harder to overcome. But like I said, going back to two years ago, you can't count Papua New Guinea out. Yeah, that's in, that's that's an interesting it's an interesting prediction. Looking at it from my point of view, I'm looking at the group and I'm thinking Scotland and Bangladesh should come through that group. I think Scotland um, overall have proven to be stronger than Oman and Papua New Guinea. However, you have shed some more light on that. Um, and this Oman side, all of a sudden, I'm very worried about. Um, but, I mean, in the recent fixtures, I think Scotland did pretty well against them in their home conditions. So I'm quietly confident that uh, the, boys will, the boys will get over the line. But it's interesting that you're actually saying Oman and one of Scotland or Bangladesh, rather than saying Bangladesh outright. So potentially you're saying Bangladesh might not make the Super 12. Whoever wins that Bangladesh-Scotland match in the opener has got the inside track to advancing into the main draw. That's It's such a huge match. If you lose the first match, you're behind the eight ball. It's, it's an uphill battle to qualify from there. And if Scotland loses that first match against Bangladesh, to ask them to qualify into the main draw by beating the the host in the group, Oman, having lost to Bangladesh, it's that would be Herculean. So there's so, so, so much riding on that opening match between Bangladesh and Scotland. Oman, I think they would be favorites in that first match against Papua New Guinea, just based on everything that's happened in the last two months. But even if they were to lose that game as surprising that would as that would be i still think they would have decent odds of of getting through it the, the match between bangladesh and scotland in terms of the two opening fixtures is by far a much 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 more consequential match in, in, in advance into the main draw interesting stuff interesting stuff oh man are the team to watch I'm a bit concerned all of a sudden. You know, you've you've really uh, given me a bit more in-depth. Um, and, you know, they sound like a team that turn up on the big stage. Fingers crossed. You're uh, you're not correct on this one. Sorry to disagree, but I hope Scotland and Bangladesh. Or, or you know what? I'd love to see Scotland and Oman go through as well. You know, that would be a great, great story. Let's look at the other group. So both of us are divided. You're, 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 actually, you're going Oman and Sc- or Scotland and Bangladesh to come through that first group. Um, and I'm going Scotland and Bangladesh. We'll have a chat about it afterwards and see uh, see whose prediction comes out. The other group is the one that's a, a hard one to call. Um, I think so anyway. You again will be able to shed a bit more light on the squads. Sri Lanka are obviously the, the, the team that stand out there. I mean, it's crazy to think Sri Lanka are having to qualify for a T20 World Cup that they've played, I think, numerous times in the T20 World Cup final. Um, so it's 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 quite it's quite crazy to be honest, quite surreal. The other three in the group are obviously the associates. You've got Ireland, the Netherlands, and Namibia. Um, opening fixture in that group um, is going to be a big fixture between Ireland and the Netherlands, and Sri Lanka will play Namibia. What's your thoughts, sir? The people in Ireland are going to hear you talking about Ireland like that, calling calling them an associate. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. member now, Shane. Nice. Apologies to the Irish. Uh, you are a test playing nation. Sorry if I've upset anybody. That's, that's uh, some trash talk. That's some Scottish trash talking. That's that's the that's the Gaelic rivalry there. Uh, the, the, the Celtic rivalry. No offense. Ireland, 
Carlin, you're not you're not good enough to be a full manager. We're putting you down. We're putting you down. <laughs> but the, but honestly, they're like they're they're an associate again in recent times. Or or maybe they wish they were an associate again because they're performing better as an associate than they have been since the promotion to being a full member. Uh it's it's been shocking how bad Ireland has been recently for people who haven't been following. They just lost a try a, a T20 series, a three match series to the UAE, who has a cup. Ireland lost the series 2 1, and it wasn't even close. They got they got absolutely hammered in in the, the finale. Um, and so I chose one the depth of associate cricket in modern times that for anybody who thinks even a team, like I said, like Papua New Guinea, who's in terrible form, that doesn't mean that they can't turn it around in a short space of time. Like they did a couple of years ago, the qualifier. Um, if, if you see a team who's outside the tournament, UAE beating up on Ireland and you take a look around USA is not in the tournament. Uh, they've got some ex- explosive players and Nepal has got one of the biggest draw cards on the T20 franchise circuit and Sandy Plamichani is a leg spinner. Paul didn't even qualify. Paul didn't make it out of the regional qualifier. So it shows you how, how strong associate cricket is in general. That a team like UAE can beat Ireland in a, a three-man series, which ostensibly was meant to give Ireland some opportunities to build up the confidence, try some different rotations. And instead, now they've, they've got alarm bells ringing in terms of, uh-oh, <laughs> what's, what's going to happen? See, that's, they- why I said, that's why I said associates. So, you know, I'm just looking at... You just got thumped by the UAE 2-1. Two, two, um, like you said, not even in the World Cup. So, so I think my um, my analysis there was, uh, was was where it should be. It's probably accurate, but yeah, no offence intended. They are a test-playing nation. Um, but what are you... How are you seeing those first couple of fixtures going? And who do you think are the favourites to come out of that group? Well, historically, ever since... Ever since- since that famous 194 chase in 2014 in Bangladesh where Netherlands chased down Ireland's total in 14 overs, 14.3 overs, whatever it was to, to stun Ireland and get through that. Ever since that game, Netherlands has dominated Ireland over, over the last six, seven years in the rivalry before then you'd never ever think of Ireland losing to the Netherlands. And I know if, if uh, David Townsend is watching this, wherever he is in the world, whether he's in Ireland or he's in the UAE or if David Townsend is in Thailand at the moment, DT, DT never fails to remind anybody that the turning point was Trent Johnston retiring. When Trent Johnston was in the team, Ireland would never even contemplate losing to the Netherlands or a whole lot of other teams for that matter. And Trent Johnston retired in December 2013. The Intercontinental Cup final was his last match for Ireland. And then a couple months later, the wheels fell off in Bangladesh. And Netherlands beat Ireland in the semifinal at the qualifier in 2015 in at Malahide. And again, that game I don't think was terribly close. Paul Van Maker and put in a fantastic performance with the ball to help Netherlands win that game. And continuing on from there, whether it was tri-series in the Netherlands a couple of years ago with Scotland, Ireland, Netherlands, other matches uh, in recent times, whether qualifiers or bilaterals, Netherlands has always had the upper hand on Ireland. And 
Netherlands currently is a much deeper team than Ireland. Ireland on paper, yes, they might be a full member. They might be a test nation. But <clears throat> you look at the strength and depth of Netherlands, batting or bowling, and they've got a lot more names and names producing than Ireland is. Ireland, Ireland right now, if you look at them, they're essentially a two- or three-man band. Paul Sterling, Kevin O'Brien at the top of the order, and then with the ball, you would say maybe Josh Little has been the best performer or near the top on the bowling side as a left-armer bowls good Yorkers, and whether it's with the new ball or at the death. But there's an awful lot of passengers in that Ireland team at the moment who just aren't performing. And I don't think, well, Netherlands definitely isn't going to be intimidated by Ireland because they've beaten them time and time again over the last seven years. And even Namibia, Namibia lost to them at the qualifier, but in in recent times, recent form, Namibia has been a, a much better performing outfit. And I don't think Namibia is going to be intimidated at all. Namibia has got match winners. I would argue Namibia has got more match winners than Ireland has at the moment, especially now that they've added David Visa, former South African player. Big, big, big player they brought in. He's going to be making his big um, tournament debut for Namibia. And all the things he's done recently on the franchise circuit, he, he's been outstanding, whether it's PSL or other tournaments, CPL. He's been fantastic in, in the lead-up, traveling around the world to the tournament. So he's in excellent form. And you've got... You know, it's not like it's not like uh, there's a bunch of nobodies and 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 they're begging and pleading for David Visa to come save Namibia. I mean, Namibia's got some outstanding players. You've got JJ Smith, Bulls. I think okay, medium pace, but at the death, he's an incredible death overs hitter. Uh, you've you've got Bernard Skoltz with the balls. It's a very outstanding left arm spinner he's been so valuable over the years for namibia tying teams down with a left arm spin which is so valuable in t20 cricket. you've got gerhard erasmus the captain who can hit the ball easily over the ropes and he's he can also anchor in innings so you've got some versatility there in the middle order uh you've got plenty of other players in the lineup who Again, are our guys who on on their day can win matches, and that goes from Stefan Bard, Jan Freilink. I mean, uh, Craig Williams has been another guy for a decade plus for Namibia over the years. Who's, who's just been a never out of the side. He's won God knows how many man of the match awards. And you look up and down the order. The point is, they've got they've got more names who are who are performing than Ireland does at the moment. Again, I, and then you've got the injury worry with Andrew Balberni, who had a foot issue in, in at the tail end of the UAE series. Is he going to be okay to go? Um, but where are you? Where else are you going to get production from? Uh, you know, if if you're depending on Simi Singh to win you matches whether with the bat or the ball, that means nobody else is performing in the key spots in the batting order. And that's a huge, huge concern for Ion. So that opening game, I would, I would put Netherlands as heavy favorites. 
Sounds Big. very much like clear favourites, uh, uh, in your opinion. And if you're going, if you when you actually look into it and look back through the history, if you just said they have been winning, um, and yeah, you, you're right, they're not they're not going to be intimidated like maybe once upon a time around 2010 to 2013, Ireland were kind of standout team, and like you say, under Trent Johnston, very seldomly lost. Am I right in saying that Sri Lanka are going to come to this group comfortably and it's going to be one, what them and, and one other? Or are you going to make a bold statement here and say Sri Lanka are going to be fighting for that top two spot as well and they might they might fall out of it? Bold statement time, Shaky. Yeah, very bold. <laughs> but if the Bangladesh one was quite bold, Sri Lanka would be even bolder. Well, again, I think reputationally, if that's even a word, or if I just made it up right now. Uh, I know based you on the reputation. <laughs> if, you, if you base it on the reputation, you'd say, ah, oh, like you said, Sri Lanka, they've been to a bunch of, of World Cup finals. They went to the final in, in 2009 at Lourdes. They, and they lost to Pakistan there. They went to the final in 2012 and lost to the West Indies on home soil. They won the final in 2014 in Bangladesh. Um, they've got this reputation, obviously, historically, for having so many dynamic players and so many match winners, whether it's Tolkarani Dilshan or Malinga or Jai Warden or Sengakara, and um, you can throw in some other names in there too over the years. Who this, current, this current squad, I watched a bit of the game against Oman, there's far from that presence. And yeah. squad. Who's your match winner? Who's your match in this team, you know, you, you know, you don't even have a hurrah or an Ajanta Mendes who, ha, you know, sparkled for a brief lit for a brief time for Sri Lanka. Who, who in this Sri Lanka lineup gives you nightmares? Who's making you sleep at night? Nobody. I, 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 Nobody. It's, it's really, it's really concerning for Sri Lankan cricket that they're in that position. But are we maybe then saying that they're, that they're there for the taking here? I mean, the one guy who. For T20 standards, ticks the boxes that you would say, right? This guy can win matches. Would would be uh, Hasaranga went into Hasaranga, but you know, he's because he's a leg spinner and he he can smash the ball. But does he have the same established reputation as somebody from the past, like a Dilshan? You know, Dilshan goes into a tournament, he's going to win matches. Yep. Hands down, Malinga goes into it. He's going to win matches, hands down. Even Harath or, or Murley uh, goes in. You know, Murley won zillions, zillions of matches for Sri Lanka. Um, who's 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 in this team? Who's going to win you matches? I mean, I guess you could look at the games against Oman. Avishka Fernando hit eighties odd or whatever against Oman, but is anybody on the opposite side of the draw? Again, going into the matches, oh, geez, you know, that Avishka Fernando, he gives me nightmares. Nobody's saying that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, compared to years past, this Sri Lanka squad is not somebody that I think teams, especially in the opening, they're not going to be overawed by. Um, you know, it's, it's not, I think, scared 
of facing Rashid Khan. Oh my God, this guy tears apart everybody around the world. Um, whether it's IPL or CPO or associate teams, it just there's no match for Rashid Khan. Who's who's that no match player that is in the show? There isn't one. So um, yes, on paper, yeah, they're full member, yeah, they're a test nation, but I don't think there's that intimidation factor that's there, and because of that, the teams that are on that side of the draw, whether it's Namibia, whether it's Netherlands or Ireland, they're gonna feel like, hey, this is our shot, um, you know, to 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 knock them off, and and especially. The other consideration is the fact that two teams go forward out of each group this year compared to previous tournaments where it was just the group winner out of this opening round. So there's a little bit less pressure on the associates who already live in a pressure-packed environment as it is 12 months a year with so many matches that have consequences at stake for funding and uh, further fixture scheduling to be able to secure those depending on you know each each result has so much writing on it. Um, you know, if if Ireland or the Netherlands, whoever loses that game comes out of there, I think they'll still feel like, hey, we, we still got a shot. You know, the first game, okay, we we lost, but hey, Sri Lanka, we can beat Namibia, we can beat this 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 group is so evenly matched. I think group B is a bit more lopsided in terms of um the talent again. I think people are going to feel like uh, Papua New Guinea is at the current moment the weakest team in that group, and it's I like I said I feel like it's going to be Oman and then whoever wins that Bangladesh Scotland game. This the group A is a different matter. You've got you've got I think Netherlands is is a clear favorite in my book. I think Netherlands is is nailed on for one of the spots, but who's that other team going to be? Maybe a um Lanka and Ireland, I think all have roughly equal chances to advance. On paper, you would say, oh, all right, well, Sri Lanka historically they've they, they should go through, but you never know. This is um it's 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 a sign that associate cricket is moving in the right direction. The fact that if I'm right in saying you have now predicted, and sorry if I got this the wrong way around, this is group A. Um, and the other one is Group B or, or, or vice versa. But we've predicted Oman to go, or you've predicted Oman to go through, along with Scotland or Bangladesh. So we're not set in stone putting the the bit more of the giants of world cricket, Bangladesh. You know, they've they've played Test cricket, they've been in all these World Cup competitions for years now. And um, so I like that. I like your I like your I like your uh, prediction. And then in the in the other group, you're predicting the Dutch, along with. One other, it could be Namibia, it could be Ireland, it could be Sri Lanka. Again, it's quite crazy that we're even discussing the, the prospect of Sri Lanka not making the Super 12. I love it. Um, I, I personally think it'll be Sri Lanka, and I think it'll be between the Dutch and the Irish. So again, we can discuss this afterwards. So your prediction for the, the, the group Scotland are in is that it's going to be uh, the mighty Oman, along with either Scotland or Bangladesh. I'm going Scotland and Bangladesh. And then you're also going the Dutch and one other. Um, and I'm going to go uh, Sri Lanka and the Dutch. So we're not far off, but um, you're sending, uh, you're practically sending Bangladesh and Sri Lanka home, mate. 
if if you want me to get off the fence, I'll I'll, I'll get off the fence. I'll say Oman, and I'm probably gonna piss off a few few of my friends up up north of the wall. You're I, I think me off. you're pissing me off. <laughs> I think I think Bangladesh. If you ask me, I think Bangladesh just just in conditions historically. Uh, I think they'll they'll I think they'll get through above Scotland because not just the batting match winners they've got with Tam and McBall and Mushfi Curran and uh, Shakib, but I think the biggest factor on the bowling side mostly for uh, Mustafizer Mustafizer is devastating at the death. He's an incredibly clever T twenty bowler. Scotland doesn't have that kind of bowler in their T20 side. And I think he's, he's a difference maker. Um, if, if the tournament was in, if the tournament was in uh, British conditions, I would put Scotland ahead of, of Bangladesh, but just in these conditions, unless George Muncy goes bonkers and George Muncy scores 110 off of uh, 54 balls or something like that. I think, I think, Oman and, and Bangladesh will come through that, that side of the draw. And then on the other side, I think the Dutch, I think the Dutch and Namibia will come through. That's my, that's my prediction for the other half of the draw. Cause again, adding David visa onto an already very, very deep Namibia team. I think, I think they could beat Sri Lanka and, and beat Ireland and, and make it through. You heard it here first. Uh, predictions of Peter De La Pena are Oman and Bangladesh to go through to the super 12 and Namibia and the Dutch um, to go through as well. I'm slightly different. I'm backing the boys. I'm backing the Scottish boys. I'm backing them and Bangladesh to make the Super 12s, and I'm backing Sri Lanka to to come through um, and, and go go through along with the Dutch. So I'm I am in agreement with you on the on the Dutch side there. Um, so we've got I, our teams. I think. I think here's if. Want to get deep into the weeds? I think the Group B, Oman, Scotland, Bangladesh, and Papua New Guinea. I think it'll come down to run rate. So I could easily see three teams at two and one, and one team at zero oh and three, and that the three teams at two and one it'll come down to net run rate. So you you could have a scenario where, yeah, Oman, Scotland, Bangladesh all end up at two one, and it's just a matter of run rate, and that's that's where George Muncy would come to play. How fast does he score runs? How how damaging is he? in terms of how, how quickly he's scoring and, you know, securing victory at, at what rate or in a chase or the margin batting first. And then on the other side of the draw, I, I think, the, I think it'll happen down the net run rate in a different, you know, and then you have three teams at one and three <laughs> <laughs> who are, are battling over net run rate to see oh, who goes up on, on into, the, into the main draw feeling. on one and three in net run rate. That'll be such a horrible feeling. Um, oh, yeah. To go out in net run rate. That's, uh, but I see where you're coming from. It could come into play. There's no doubt about it. But very interesting. Interesting, um, interesting predictions there from you. We'll see how it all unfolds. Let's just have a quick touch on the proper business end of the tournament, which is obviously the Super 12. How do you see the teams that you've predicted will go through? How do you see them performing against the, the big test playing nations? Well, of all the teams in the draw, if you were 
if you were a an associate team in this event, you would much rather, I think, you would much rather go into group one in the main draw as opposed to group two. So if if you're if you're the Dutch, so who who goes into which side of the draw? Group the group A winner and the group B runner up goes into group one. And group one is Australia, England, South Africa, West Indies. So the Dutch will be absolutely desperate. Well, all the teams will be absolutely desperate, but the Dutch in particular feel like they've got an absolutely golden opportunity to possibly get to the semifinals if they can advance as the winner of their side of the draw in the opening round, because Australia, this is the weakest probably Australian team that's ever participated in the T20 world cup. They've, they've got a whole lot of issues in, in their lineup and they've just been, it's, it's hard to gauge their form somewhat because they've shuffled so many guys in and out of their T20 team in recent years, partly due to pandemic and bio bubble issues and, and all the logistical wrangling that goes into that since cricket resumed. But even before that, I, I don't think Australia is really a team that historically you think of all the incredible match winners that Australia had. They're almost in a, in the same position as Sri Lanka, who is, you know, compared to the guys that they've had in the past who are, are legends of the game, who who is really striking fear um, in, in this Australian lineup compared to the past. I mean, you could... I guess, you know, argue if if some of the guys are in form, um, you know, whether that's, you know, Pat Cummins is, is an outstanding bowler, uh, Josh Hazelwood, outstanding bowler, David Warner, when he's when he's in form, you know, David David Warner is incredible, obviously as an as an opener and a devastating batter, Mitchell Stark, Glenn Maxwell, but you look at the results Australia's had, they've they've really been or by their own standards. Um, and so even though they've got all those names on paper, you look at the, the collective results they've had and, and it's nothing to write home about. Um, yeah, I definitely think on that, the teams going into this team, you know, you're right, normally in Australia, you'd be you'd have them penciled in to, to be around the semi-final and the final stages. But I think it's more, and, and due to the conditions, I think it's more India, um, I think England are going to be there or thereabouts. So many boxes ticked. You've got West Indies, who you never know who's going to turn up. But if they do turn up, they've got a lot of firepower um, and they've been successful in the past in the T20 format. Um, and then the Kiwis might come in to play the Black Caps um, and you can never write Pakistan off. But you're right, Australia, South Africa, they're not as powerful as what they normally are going into a, going into a major tournament. And the West Indies, you know, this is not the West Indies side of 2012 and 2016. Uh, well, I, I should I should say it is maybe the same side, and that's part of the issue. It's, it's the same about, guys yeah, who yeah. are all nine years older. Yeah, <laughs> these guys are quite old now. You still got this is not Chris Gale in 2012 or Chris Gale in 2016. Yeah, this is this is a 40 plus year old Chris Gale now. Um, this is a Dwayne Bravo that's getting up there in in years. You, you've got um, there's not been a lot of turnover in that squad. And so they've, they've really put their faith 
and the old war horses to, to give it one last, you know, one last go around. Um, is that one tournament too far for them or can they, can they kind of rally behind that nostalgia and, and, and uh, do it one more time? We'll see. I, but I think if you look at other sports, I mean, the West Indies right now kind of reminds me of maybe um, Spain at the 2014 FIFA World Cup, where they coming off of 2010, it was, you know, they, they kept faith in all those guys. And, and then what happened? Spain, yeah. Spain got smashed. It could go that way. It certainly could go that way. Uh, <laughs> right off the universe, boss. Yeah. There either. And just tonking a couple of big match-winning scores, you know, you, you just you just never know. Or a Pollard to, to to relive some of his heydays as well. But you're right; it's very much an aging team. Time will tell how they do. Who would be your uh, your predictions to make the final? I know I've got my my thoughts on it. Um, who who are you thinking are the best? You know, two or three teams that are going to be fighting for that final spot. I think. Well, I, I think it's going to come out of group the other group, group two. So you you know you look at the one half of the draw, which I think is just I, I just think it's weak. I think England should come through that easily, and it's a matter of who's that other team. Uh, in England and Lemon Overs cricket in general and T Twenty cricket, whatever. I think they've been you know they've proven in the last two three four years they're outstanding, and it's just a matter of who's going to join England out of that side of the draw. Um, Australia, South Africa, West Indies, and nobody really stands out in my mind. Oh man. You've got your you you manage your team in this World Cup. I've got that sense from you from talking earlier that you you know well, about, you know something about them that I don't know, and they they sound like they're the danger the the danger men of the tournament. But the Dutch, I mean the, the Dutch historically they had the wood over England. They beat England in both previous T Twenty World Cup appearances, two thousand nine and two thousand fourteen. Um, so they've got a history on the side. But the Dutch the Dutch match up very well against all those teams on that side of the draw. Whereas in Group Two. It's stacked. India, New Zealand, Pakistan, and even Afghanistan. Afghanistan is as the the lowest ranked team in that side of the draw, or, or the team you would least expect to get through. They still got Rashid Khan. They, they've got a match winner. They got a huge match winner. They've got other team players in their in their lineup, potentially capable of being match winners as well. And um, that's that's the group you want to avoid if you're one of the associate teams coming out of the draw. But I think I think the winner. Uh, will be coming out of that side of the draw. I think India, New Zealand, um, Pakistan. It's not the same Pakistan of the past, but like you know, you know, you never know what you're going to get know. in Pakistan. You never, never write them off. But uh, I think in the conditions, and it's also hugely beneficial to India specifically that the IPL was resumed in the UAE. So we've got most of the players are are. Um, you know, experienced or, or will have adjusted to these wickets a lot more quickly than the other teams who are participating, regardless of how many overseas players in the various other squads uh, were in the IPL. So I think, I think it's, I would say India or New Zealand, that's, that's going to be, you know, whoever comes out of that side of the draw into the semifinals, I think it could be a final rematch unless England, um, you know, wins their semifinal. But um, I, I just think it, it's lopsided in in that half of the draw. And um, I think the highest probability is an India-England final, uh, and that would be incredible to watch. Um, but um, I, I just 
You never know. They, they, you never know. That's the thing. T Twenty World Cup. I almost think it's it's like a it's it's like a penalty shootout. It's like you know if it's your if it's your day, you you could you can anybody can win, anybody can lose. Um, it really comes down to who clicks on the day. So I do I do agree with you on the teams that you mentioned to make it to the the, the very latter part of the of the tournament. Um, and you're right. It sounds like if you finish second. And the qualifying groups, yeah, you're going to have a tough, tough gig going into a very tough group as an as an associate. But just that, I think this year, seeing how kind of mediocre the other teams are in, in that group one, I think I think England is far and away the standout team in that that side of the draw. But Australia, South Africa, West Indies, it's not the same West Indies as old. I think this year, more than any other year in the history of the T20 World Cup offers the best chance of an associate team potentially challenging for a semifinal spot. And it would be in that half of the draw in that group one against Australia, England, South Africa, West Indies. Well, Scotland, you heard it here. You just need to finish top of your group, which is very achievable against uh, Bangladesh, against Oman, against PNG. We'll be rooting for you. Um, And if you go into group one, as Peter says, big opportunity to to make the semi-finals. Why the hell not? Why the hell not? Dream big. Go for it. Um it's been a it's been a it's been a pleasure, mate. Um your knowledge of the of cricket in general, you know, associate cricket, um even all the names that you were dropping there. I'm uh, I, I was very, very, very impressed how much you how much you know about the depth of all the squads. Um, you did mention before we came on you've been involved in associate cricket for a decade, you know, and it shows um, I like your predictions, although I'm going to throw, I always will keep the two, my two teams going into the tournament, Scotland, Pakistan. Pakistan, as you said, you can never write them off. They're going in a little bit messy. Did Pakistan ever go to a tournament? Not messy. Um, and, you know, you know, sometimes they play their best cricket when it's messy. So I, I, I'm not right. I'm not writing them off. I look forward to, to following you and uh, hopefully seeing USA involved in a future tournament. Sounds like we, sounds like the consistency needs to to come into play, but infrastructure sounds good over there. Um, and yeah, thank you very much. We'll chat about the predictions that we both made very very soon when they start to start taking place. But for you, definitely, I'm going to be watching Oman closely and with a little bit of fear because you've got me got me concerned now. It'll be an exciting tournament, shaky. That's for sure, especially in the opening round. I think there'll be so many matches uh, going down to the wire in, in that opening. Round uh, Group B or Group A, Scotland, Oman, Bangladesh, Papua New Guinea in particular. And, and yeah, hopefully, pandemic conditions permitting, we'll see USA touring Scotland this summer for the ODI Tri-Series. That'd be awesome. And it'll awesome. be an hope opportunity. To you, hope to see you over in, the, in lovely Scotland. Hopefully catch up. Absolutely, 100%. Thanks again, mate.